Hello and welcome to the Winners Never Quit podcast. Start your week the right way with a laugh and a dose of motivation. Listen to the stories of our guests. Learn from their experiences and how they built a winner's mindset. Hosted by myself, Jack Jarvis. And if you could like, follow or subscribe to the podcast, I would really, really appreciate it. Today, I am joined by Brian Wood. Woody served 17 years in the British Army, completing five operational tours and was awarded the Military Cross for the actions at the Battle of Danny Boy. This battle was also the subject of the Al Swede Inquiry, which subsequently led to Phil Shiner being struck off from the Solicitor's Register for falsifying claims that British soldiers had tortured and murdered Iraqi prisoners of war. Since leaving the army, he has started a business, Keep Attacking, and has raised over £250,000 for walking with the wounded, completing 25 marathons in 25 days, and in 2022 he completed a further 35 marathons in 35 days. He has also cycled across America. Woody's book, Double Cross, was a Sunday Times bestseller and inspired the BBC drama Danny Boy. Woody joins me now. Woody, how are you doing, mate? Thank you so much for coming on. No, my pleasure. Thanks Ma- for having me. Mate, any time. So we start every podcast the same, buddy. How do you define winning in your life? Define winning is, for me, achieving your goals. Um, I think everyone should set goals. Um, life is a journey and it can be pretty boring if you don't set yourself goals, whether that's work-related or sports-related. It could be anything, but winning is achieving. And um, yeah, that's a, a thing of beauty. No, 100%. Um, we're going to do it a little bit differently today because I want to tell the listeners how we met. So I um, slid into your DMs and you were, what marathon were you on at the time? You were... I must have been five or six. Five or six. No, I, th- I think or you were a little bit, yeah, I think you were a little bit deeper than that. So I slid into Brian's DMs. Now I'd watched his Ultimate Sacrifice Challenge in 2021. Loved it, was inspired, but for whatever reason, I think I was away. Couldn't partake. I offered to come and run a marathon with him and he jumped to the opportunity and said, yep, please come down. Now there was me, 28, fit, just completed the uh, Atacama Crossing. So I fancied myself with a bit of a runner and I thought, yeah, there's no way this old boy is going to outrun me when he's halfway through his challenge. And he absolutely thrashed me for three and a half hours round the Hampshire countryside. (laughs) And we... that was your one of the quickest marathons so far that you'd done that challenge, hadn't you? Yeah, I think it was three to twenty-eight. Yeah, it was rapid. I couldn't believe it, but that's how we met, and um, I've been bending his arm to come on the pod ever since. And what I want to know, mate, is how did you have the mental fortitude to not just complete those marathons on the second innings, but the mental fortitude to push yourself as hard as you did? I think challenge within a challenge is a big thing for me. I'll always push myself when I set myself a goal. And um, it was really important for me not to just cruise. I wanted to... My first one, I ran 25 marathons in 25 days in 2021. And I knew I could do it. I told myself and reminded myself um, the reasons for the challenge. But more importantly, that I could do it. And I can complete it. And I can go 25 days consecutive running 26.2 miles. Second time around, I knew I could go again, but I really wanted to go at the best pace I possibly could. And um, yeah, I think I 
only done six over four hours and four of them were in the Falklands because I flew out to the Falklands um, and ran four days out of th out there. But the wind and the elevation was on another level <laughs> and uh, I couldn't get under four hours, which it, I was guided, but 4.20, I think it's 4.25. And from going to, I started at Mount Pleasant and then I finished at Stanley every day. And it was like, there's those, those of you who have been out to, the Falklands will know there's only one road and it is, there's not one tree. The hills are ridiculous, <laughs> steep, and the wind was just another level. And um, yeah, I, I, you know, I knew I could do it. I'd done it already in 2021. I could do it again. And um, I just pushed myself and pushed myself and pushed myself. And I started off with the London Marathon was my first marathon um second time around and i did that in three hours that was my quickest one i think i've done it in three hours 26 it's a great race isn't it oh it's the best thing i've ever done honestly the just the whole day the environment reading people's t-shirts was emotional but really inspiring at the same time because everyone's got their own reasons in life to do something and reading their reasons why was was humbling and um yeah what an experience just the crowds it's, i've never experienced anything like it but it was crazy because i went from f hundreds of thousands of people shouting woody to the second day running on my own like that is mind games so going from one electric event which had me in, on cloud nine to then being on my own running around the Hampshire countryside with no one else other than my mind telling me to keep punching, to keep going. And um, yeah, I'm just quite strong-minded like that. How important is that motivation from inside, that intrinsic motivation compared to that external motivation that you had on the London Marathon? Where does Where does that come from? I think motivation will always come and go. Something will will motivate you and it will last a period of time. It's discipline, which is a, if you've got discipline and you've got continuity, you you're in a you're in a good lane. So I knew I had to be disciplined just to show up every day and attack each mile with a purpose. And some of the things on the way would motivate me. You coming along with me and running with me motivated me because it helped me. On your own, it's tough. Yeah. But you have to suppress the inner chimp as well when it's telling you to slow down. Just walk. No one's with you. It's okay to walk. Well, actually, yeah, it is. It's bad to walk. I need to get this done. And so it's a lot of it was in my head, you know, a few little conversations that, yeah, were tough. But I would always manage to suppress them. And that's just about sheer belief. I had sheer belief. Not, not only could I do it, but I could do it at really respectable times because I believed in my own ability. And I would never, ever stand for comfort. I was always uncomfortable. When you come running with me, I wanted to make sure that I put you in an uncomfortable situation. 28 years old. And you did. Not, no, I know. Because <laughs> I heard you. Yeah. You know, and I would say, we've got to push. We've got to push. Do you remember the sprint we did at the end? Yeah. 
can I beat you? <laughs> I don't remember that. I don't remember <laughs> that bit. But it's really important to to try and, for me anyway, to push yourself in any discipline that you're doing. And for me, it was a, a longevity because 35 marathons in 35 days is a beast. But I just knew I could do it. And yeah, I wanted respectable times. And when I'd done my first one, my dad messaged me saying, what are you doing? Like, you've got 34 more. And I was like, yeah, I've got one more. That's another thing that I did. I broke it down and took one day and one mile at a time. So dad said 34, I would never look at it like that because it would overwhelm me. So for me, I just focused on that day and that mile and just tick each mile off. Remember each name, wallop, wallop, straight the way through. Day two was day two, mile one. And that's all I concentrated on. I'd never ever looked at the bigger picture because when people would talk about the bigger picture, I switched the conversation straight away. Today, the day that I wanted to talk about, wasn't the bigger picture because it just seemed too much when you're talking about 35 marathons when people train for six months to run one. So I just broke it right down and just took each day as it came. That's so important. We talk about it a lot on the pod. These big goals, and it was the same when I was doing the row, I wouldn't worry about the next month for getting to the halfway point. I literally used to think about finishing a shift. Yeah. Just complete this next four hours and then we've got a break, we can chill out, we can have a deep breath, and then we can go again. You know, if you look at something of this massive gargantuan beast, you might never start, and yeah. I think that's half the problem with a lot of people. But I want to know, where did the idea for this come from? Back in, Take me back to 2021. Uh, I'm just petrified that, and I'm sure it won't happen, but I'm scared that we will for, forget to remember those who... I've paid the ultimate sacrifice for what we have today. But also remember my generation of warfighters as well being in Iraq and Afghanistan because I've been out there and I've seen the realities of war, the brutality of war, and I've laid to rest two fellow soldiers myself. I laid them into the ground and it was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. And I'm petrified that we will forget so I wanted to do something different I wanted to do it unique but really personalize it also and I was just thinking do you know what I'm gonna have a look how many soldiers sailors airmen and women we lost and I'm gonna represent them and Went away, done my due diligence, spoke to the MOD, the government, made sure I had all the correct information and um, started to create a list. And it was hard, you know, creating that list because I went through all of their their, you know, their names, date of births, regiment and the cause of death. So it was tough. But I got all the information down, 635 we lost in Iraq and Afghanistan and um, I pledged to run... A mile uh, for a mile for each serviceman and women, and uh, I'll go no less than 26 miles a day. And then I've done the point two for the Queen, so 26 names were on the back of my t shirt every day. 
I announced it on Instagram and it then got a lot of traction and then that was it, the family's all over me. So I don't talk about the added pressure because I just needed to hide that if I'm honest but there was a lot of added pressure because people were waiting to see their loved ones because every morning I took a picture of my t-shirt on the back of it at the names and so many messages from cousins from mums dads sisters brothers you name it I had messages from them and that would motivate me but also put pressure on me as well a little bit because I knew there was people waiting because I had the messages saying I'm waiting for my husband's name to to appear on one of your t-shirts and I'm like we go again let's go this is why I'm doing it and like I said it was it was a double-edged sword because it helped me get out of bed when I was in rag but also I had pressure because if something went wrong I don't think I'll be able to forgive myself because I would have failed and I can't fail we can talk about the video it's out on YouTube now and on your website yeah that's right yeah and there's a clip in there where you are literally sliding on your ass down the stairs yeah. in, the, in the hours of darkness. Yeah, so Achilles. Yeah, how? What was was that the toughest day when you had those Achilles issues? My Achilles caused me problems. They just because of the sight, they were just swollen so much. And every morning, I had to bum shuffle down the stairs, then start walking around the kitchen to ease them off. And the pain, I felt that they were going to rupture in the mornings because it was so they were so stiff but once I started to walk around and loosen off then they started to react start to work and they started to work and it was just getting into that routine of knowing that I'm going to be sore and stiff I got that I knew that was going to happen um, but the Achilles was something that I didn't anticipate but they just needed to, to be worked on and I never I, I, um, I never forget one of the marathons that I was doing, I had to pull over. I was in Portsmouth, actually. I had to pull over on the side of a bridge. And one of the lads had to cycle to the pub and grab masses of bags of ice. I took my trainers off and I had my Achilles on the ice because they were just so fat. And I was thinking, I just need to try and get them down a little bit and then keep going. And um, Can you remember what day that was? Nah, because it was my first one. Oh. But it was It was probably like 11... Yeah. No, it wasn't 11 because that's Armistice Day. It was one of the, I think it was like maybe the f- the fifth or sixth one. <laughs> but, oh, mate. So a long way to go. Long way to go. But like I, like I said, it was a long day to go. Yeah. Because I never looked at the, the end state. I would always look at that day. So it was a long day and I just needed to get through that day. So it was important for me to bring the Achilles down. Not, I didn't even think about how am I going to go tomorrow because I just wanted to know Need how to I'm going to finish today. Today, yeah, the mile. That's what's really important. And even some of the arduous courses that I've been on and, and we've both done the same course down at Limston with yeah. our commando course, it was, I was a big one for that as well. I just took each day as it came. Mm. You know, it's it's really important for me to do that. And I'm just about to go to the Sahara and do the toughest foot race in the world. And I'll do the same there. I'll just go get day one done, sort myself out, and then we concentrate on day two mm. because it's an overwhelming factor otherwise. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it, I'm not going to lie. It was hard, hard work. We talk about breaking goals down. You know when you were on the all-arms commando course? Would you see lads rap because they'd maybe had a bad day and then they're thinking about test week when they're still maybe on week five, so they've got another four weeks to go or whatever, and they fail themselves and they just voluntary withdraw, they just rap when they 
build it up in their head. Yeah. I I, exp- I saw that a lot. I don't know if you must have seen the same. Yeah, I mean, people will always build um, something up bigger than what it should be. I, I was a little bit different on my all arms. I went down there as a platoon sergeant because I was going back down to instruct as a colour sergeant. But yep. for credibility, I had to go and do the commando course because I, I could have went there with my normal regimental headdress. Yeah. But I was just about to teach and instruct for two years on their senior command course. So I thought I've got to go down there and at least have a little bit of credibility by doing the course. And there was so many young lads coming through and I was a lot more experienced and older. So I had a, you know, I was, I knew how to deal with my inner, inner thoughts and what I needed to achieve. And I would just see so many young, young lads psyching themselves out. And I'd be like, just relax. They'd be like pacing up, like nervous energy. They're expending it all over the place. And I was like, just chill. Just think about the bottom field. Don't worry about everything else that's going to happen down the way. Just think about the bottom field. It's like, that's what we're on. That's a program that we're on now. Think about now. Yeah, but I'm not fit enough to pass week five ropes. Yeah, but we're on week two. Yeah. Just relax. It's all good. Just think about now. I tell you now, I struggled on the ropes was my Achilles heel. It was... We spoke um, about this on the run, didn't we? Yeah, But I knew what I needed to do to get up them ropes. And for me, it was remedial. I wasn't good enough on the ropes. I knew that. But I wasn't too proud to to just try and swag it because I knew if I tried that, I would fail. So it was down to me to do something about my struggles getting up them ropes. And I got up at five in the morning, regardless of what we were on. If we were in camp, I was up at five in the morning and we had some hard fizz sessions, like you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was already doing an hour hard fizz session trying to get the technique and trying to get up these ropes and there was a PTI Royal Marines PTI there Fergie who was a game changer for me because he 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 started me at real basics because I never had a um a pre-course yeah because it's it's a little bit different for me because I was infantry PWRR who don't really have anyone go on commando courses can so, I, I'll explain for anyone who doesn't understand. Yeah. So being in the engineers, there is an engineer commando unit. That unit will run a beat-up, um, the same for the artillery. But obviously, Woody being an infantier, there is no need for anyone in the PWRR to go and do the All-Arms Commando course unless they're in your position yeah. and they're getting posted to Limston. So you didn't have that. And in as well, in, our, in, in the commando unit, we have a holding troop, so we're practicing ropes all the time. So we've probably, we've done it over and over again before we even get to Limston. Yeah. You were going in yeah, with I no just, experience. I, I just went in with no experience. And it's a totally different way of climbing a rope. The commandos teach you yeah. the better way, it's more efficient yeah. than the way the army teaches you. So you have to unlearn something and then relearn it, which is typically harder than going in as a beginner. Yeah, and I knew what I needed <laughs> to do. So each morning I'll go down and I started to get it, you know, and then... Week five came, which is bottom field pass out, and it was raining. So a lot of people were cycling themselves out, but I had to get away from that. I can't be around negativity. I have to get myself away because it was like, 
I don't know if I can do it because of the rain. It's extra weight, you know. And I'm like around the thinking, I'm not the greatest on the ropes. I've, I've absolutely busted a gut to do extra work to get up to the ropes. I don't want to hear this rain, slippy, added weight, added pressure. So I took myself into the drying room just to kind of get away from all of the chat, sort of focused and thought, right, one shift at a time. Because I always told you I break shit down one shift at a time and we'll get to the top. And it was like, get ready, right, to the top, climb. And what did I do? One shift at a time, did I get to the top? With ease. Got to the top and then I knew it was done. I was passed because everything else, I, to be honest, it was all right. It was hard, but it didn't really test me yeah. to my massives of capability and to the extremities. The ropes did. Once I passed the ropes, I knew I was good to go. Yeah, because it is an infantry course, yeah. so you would have done se- junior and senior. Yeah, I've done point. juniors and seniors, and um, and I kept myself ticking over. I would always look after myself. So going down, once the Achilles heels was out of the way, then the ropes. ropes. Yeah, I was good to go. Good to go. Yeah. And also, if anyone's watched Limitless and watched Chris Hemsworth climb that rope, right? It's a th- ours is a thirty foot rope with twenty one pounds and a weapon system. Yeah, you know he's doing it clean fatigue. All right, it's challenging, isn't no, it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's rats. Yeah, it's hard work. It is very hard work, and um, I was pleased to get them out of the way. And uh, yeah, great course, great two years I spent down there with the Royal Marines, and uh, probably two years of my military career, if I'm honest. And um, yeah, got amongst it. But I digress. I mean, I don't even know where I was before talking about with the marathons then to go on to all arms i think it was like just taking each each day each e- as it comes each, yeah. yeah evolution as it comes and don't overwhelming you with a bigger with a whole challenge complete going back to the marathons you said you're doing the mds you've yeah. got a lot you've got a bit of experience running i would say you know more than most what lessons have you taken from your the ultimate sacrifices challenges and know you're applying to the mds and any advice you'd give to people doing a multi-stage ultra for the first time I don't know because I'm not the governor. <laughs> Honestly, I'm I'm not. I'm not an oracle. I'm not even a runner. Believe it or not, I just, I just full myself, of shit. No, <laughs> you I just set myself. <laughs> honestly, I set myself goals and I'll go and run. I don't compete. No, I, don't, I, I know. I, I know you don't compete. compete. I just, to be honest, I run for my mental health. Yeah, it keeps me sane. Running does. I don't compete. I don't run professionally. I'm not a sponsored runner or anything like that. I just set a challenge. I want to raise money and give something back because. I feel like I've got a responsibility to do that for those who have served and I just get amongst it. Mm-hmm. So what I would take away is I know I can do it. I know I can complete the MDS. However, that's not good enough. I want to get in the top 100. Yeah, I'm going to try and get in the top 100. If I achieve it, then I'll be really pleased with myself. But if I complete it, it's still a massive because only 47% of people complete it. So if I complete it, it's a tick in the box, but I've always set about a challenge within a challenge. I want to try and get in the top 100. But I'm up against them mad Moroccans yeah, who don't even... Yeah, I've heard stories They just run in like barefoot and that, and I was like, leave it out. <laughs> so I'll just keep... I'll be in their ear. So I've heard stories, I'm not sure how true it is, but those guys will literally, after they've had their initial kit inspection, will pretty much bin the yeah. large majority of their food. Yeah. And they are running with effectively... A carry, a, yeah, a carrier bag. A gel. Yeah, yeah, a gel a day, and <laughs> yeah. that is all they're doing. Um, I know what you mean, though. You're not a uh, professional r- runner as such, because when we finished our marathon, no post-race 
protein shake or anything like that. We actually no. shared a pint of Guinness. Guinness, didn't we? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's what it's all about. No, you know? 100%. I don't, I don't, I don't want to kid myself on or kid other people that I'm some sort of Spartan that can just run. No, I, I run. It hurts. I hate it running it, and it's so much time on the legs. But I get it done because when I set a challenge, I have to complete it. It's there's nothing that can stand in the way of that. So it's really important for me just to to get after stuff. If I set something up and I commit to something, it has to be done and I'll find a way. And you've got to have that tenacity. You've got to have that discipline and that courage to just, if it doesn't go the, the way you plan, figure it out. Don't play victim. Don't be like, oh, this happened, that happened. Okay, something shit has happened, but is there a way around it? Do I need to get on the bike? For me, that wasn't even an option. But worst case, I would have figured a way out to to complete it because it's so important not to just wrap and give up. It's not in it is not in the vocabulary. It's we've got to go after it somehow. And that's another thing that I'll take to the MDS with me is my mental resolve. I rely on it a lot because I'm stubborn. I can put I can take my mind to some hideous places because I've been to some fucking brutal places in the past and I've and it's affected me in the past but I've grown from that but I know what it's I know it feels like to be in some dark demanding places within the headspace and you ain't going to get no more demand than being allegations of murder you know up against you know one minute being a decorated soldier to to murder the press being out your house, outside your parents' house, asking your brother for a quote on me because he's serving in one Scots. You know, that's pressure. You know, that's, that's, that's dark, dark times on how do I deal with all of this. So I'll use, I use that when I'm going through the most demanding stuff because you can't get near me now because I've been through the ringer with what I'd seen on operations closing and destroying enemy close quarter fighting, recovering their bodies, loading their bodies up into the vehicles, putting bodies in plastic bags. You know, I was also blown up, but very fortunate to, to, to maintain my limbs. On my second tour of Iraq, one of the lads put a, a light machine gun in his mouth and pulled the trigger. I was third person onto that scene and seen stuff that only you could watch in films. I had pulled Johnson Bahari out of the vehicle you know, who went on to be awarded the Victoria Cross and seen the carnage and chaos that, you know, hit. So I have been in a, a really tough, tough place when I was younger, trying to figure all of this out, where it where it fits in in my head. And a lot of the, for a lot of the years, I just tried to self-help and get on with it. But it doesn't work like that. And it took me until I went to Limston to go and start some of my therapy with it because there was too much legacy trauma and too much pressure with this Al-Swede inquiry to um, to try and figure out on my own. It just wasn't workable. So I had the courage to go and speak to someone at Limpston and then start my journey. But I was digressing then. So I, I can also take with me the fog of war and the toolkit that I have created to get me out of that fog, even though it's such an emotional roller coaster, 
but I know what it, I feel like when I feel like I haven't got anything or don't know where to turn. And there, that, there were some hard places to be in. But I've managed to get out of it somehow and now I'm in the best mindset I've ever been in. And that's probably helped my performance on these endurance because I know, I'm, I'm, I'm okay on my own skin now. I'm good to be woody. But before, I didn't know what was going on. Mate, I'm a big believer in like Iron Forge design, and you have certainly been mentally forged in some of the toughest, and like what you've been through, what you touched on there, mate. So yeah, I can't, I cannot fault your like laser focus at all, mate. It's, it's very impressive. Um, something you said there that I do want to touch on is you say that you run for your mental health. How important? Maybe you could relay this. Someone that struggles. Not maybe someone that's struggling with with mental health. How important is physical exertion and pushing yourself physically to help you combat that, to help you cope with that? As someone that sort of uses that technique. Yeah, it's my medicine. I've cried lots, and I'm not ashamed to to speak about it. I've cried because I didn't know what to do. I've cried because I didn't know where to turn. I've cried because I've needed to cry. The best thing I'd done was to go and get some therapy to understand all this chaos and why I was feeling different sort of ways throughout. And I tried a lot of things, a lot of different things. And the only thing what made me feel free, which stimulated me, which got the endorphins going where they needed to be going, set the conditions for my day, was running. I'm free as a bird, mate, when I'm running. Free as an absolute bird. And I plan. I put things into phases on how I'm going to create how I'm going to execute whatever I'm creating and how I'm going to grow as a person and the business all that's in my running it is my time it's like we're all so busy and it's the only time that I have that I'm accountable for I'm involved in time and it's my time and it's just it's my medicine I can't even explain it. I've said to many, like when I was speaking with the doctor, and uh, I said, it's just, I don't need to take, fortunately, I don't need to take potions and pills. My potions and pills is the fresh air. It's out, and it's, yeah, it's down the country lanes. And it's just worked wonders for me because it has such a good effect. I get back and I feel good. I feel like I've achieved something. And... It makes me smile. And I hate it as well. Hate running. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm hanging out. Hate it. But the way it makes me feel, you can't buy shit like that. It is awesome. And also as well, the I don't know the joy, but when you do these challenges, mate, the the community you have around you, that must that must feel so special, the amount of people that want to be there and support you. Like was it your mate Danny that was with us um when we did our marathon? Wayne. Wayne. And uh, he was he was on top form all day. And you must draw a lot of inspiration from that. I'm very fortunate to have some good people around me. You know, I've, I I do thank them, you know, in their own kind of unique way and how, how they've helped me and supported me and taking days off work to be involved in my marathon and whether it's bringing food around my house to help Lucy, my wife, because she's cooking and trying to maintain the business while I've taken 
35 oh, days yeah, off. Yeah, I've taken 35 days off. And when you when you take that off, a busy business, it puts a lot of pressure on her. Um, people just get together. I'm I'm from a small small village in White Hill Board and the community's on another level and they just come to come together when you most need them and it's remarkable really. I've, I'm very fortunate to have good people around me and um, yeah, fortunate. Yeah, very fortunate. Mate, tell us about the book, mm. Double Crossed. Yeah. Why did you want to write about your life and having listened to it and I've got a copy here as well, thank you very much, um, that you've given me. Why did you want to um, tell your story? There was a lot of things that were said um, throughout the inquiry. There was a lot of things that were quickly swept under carpets that needed to be highlighted. And I wanted to let people read what it was like to serve this great nation in uniform. What the feeling is like to to serve as a British soldier, to go over to foreign fields and fight hard and the sacrifices that are made and um, put pen to paper and I'm a absolute solid infantry flipping <laughs> thick fucking <laughs> wildcat mate and but I knew you know what shape and structure that the book needed to look like and just started tapping away it took me a while like to be fair it took me about a year and a half to write it in crayon in crayon and a lot of rubbers yeah. and yeah because you kept eating the crayons of course standard <laughs> yeah but do you know what it was it was cathartic there was some of the experiences that i'd ex- gone through sort of crept back into my thought process which i couldn't shift for a while as well which was a bit annoying because I didn't like to feel the way I was feeling in certain situations, especially about when I write about the the suicide. Um, I hadn't really spoken about that for a long period of time. I just shut that off. But then writing about it, it brought it all back. And that was, that was a tough gig to, to write about that in detail. But I, you know, I bared with it and I, I got the story down and, my biography out to the world which is very nervous like i'm writing about my life story mate i feel nervous releasing these podcasts yeah. and i'm interviewing someone else exactly so it's, i can't even imagine yeah. how you feel and i you, you bear all in it because you only get one shot oh yeah you yeah you fucking it's, did. it's it's i was very very nervous but when it was published do you know what? I had my um, launch at the Shard as well, the 24th and 25th floor of the Shard, and all of my friends came in. We we made a big night of it. Stayed up in London. It was unreal. Uh, Colonel Richard Kemp come in, done the speech for me, which was just incredible. And then um, it launched. And then the following day, I was told that it went on to the Sunday Times bestseller at number three. And then. Um, I climbed to number two, but Michelle Obama was number one, and I was I was oh. getting nowhere near. <laughs> so um, that's just unfortunate, though, mate. Nah, see, and I'm I, sure your book's better, mate. Nah, do you know what? I can take number two from her all day long. You know what a global icon she is. So I'm happy with that. But who would have thought? You know, even being able to achieve achieving like an Amazon number one is unbelievable, but to get a Sunday Times bestseller is 
there's only a small percentage are able to achieve that. So oh, I must be tiny, mate. I'm real. And then it was a book that inspired the BBC drama Danny Boy. That was my life story going into a 90 minute drama, being on film set, you know, mapping the battlefield out, speaking to the actor who played me and the actress who played Lucy and getting involved in all of that. It was surreal. So surreal. To be honest, I don't think I even qualified to have that done. But do you know what? Sometimes cool things like that happen and you've got to take them all day long. For sure. How do you deal with... Is, I don't know if imposter syndrome, but do you feel sometimes like that? Yeah, but, I mean, I don't... But like you said, you're from a small town yeah. in Hampshire. Yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult because I didn't, I didn't sign up for any of that. No. I signed up to serve my country. You know, and I, I, I tried to do that to the best of my ability. Things happen along the way. You have to react to certain things along that, along your journey. And um, when an opportunity like to have your book published by Penguin Random House, a global publication, that's an opportunity you have to take because it's never going to come around again. And I took it. And then someone was after my life rights to option them for film. But only 2% of life rights and stories actually get greenlit and commissioned. And I managed to get that done. And I was thinking, how? I'm like Woody. It's mad. Yeah. And it is very, very strange. But I think everyone has an element of imposter syndrome, whatever it's called. What's I, it called? I 100% imposter have it. syndrome. When people come up to me and they're like, oh, man, how did you do, you know, Rose Across the Atlantic? Yeah. I'm like, I just... Did, did it. it like yeah yeah, yeah. I, I, I just woke I, up every I, morning I get that but I don't really dwell on that I just just like crack on for the next day it's like that's done now my achievements throughout the running that's that was all yesterday it's great that I've got the experience and I I can use that and put some of the stuff how I felt in a toolkit to help me move forward on my journey which is really important because it's growth isn't it it's like we want to grow from some of the cool stuff that we've done learn from some of the bad stuff, take away what what got you through some of the hardships, but that can't, I can't afford like the Al Sweden inquiry and the, and my mental well-being back in the day, let, get in my way for what I need to achieve and what I want to achieve moving forward. I accept it, it's happened, can't dwell on it or pay, play victim. Yeah, well and doing that, that's not going to change you. anything. No, no, I can't have that define who I am, that's not, that's not even me, that's happened. Life is beautiful, but it's a demand, and every single person will find themselves tested to their extremes, or it's a, whether it's a death in their family, someone's got a medical condition which has just shocked the family or shocked, shocked the individual. There'll be someone who wants to achieve so much, but they have to work hard for it. They've just got to figure a way and don't play victim. You've just got to try and figure it out because, yes, take your moment, acknowledge what you're going through, and then figure out and 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 just attack, mate. And I'm not going to go too much into the book because obviously I want people to buy it. It's available audio book, Amazon and everywhere else. W H Smiths, yeah. Waterstones. Go and get yourself a copy. But one question I really want to ask you is obviously the Battle of Danny Boy and the subsequent Al Sweden trial, and then Phil Shiner. What is your opinion on Phil Shiner? Now, to give a bit of a background, he's been struck off because he. Like I said in the intro, falsifying claims. But how do you feel towards him now? Because you, you touch on it in the book. And I thought it was a yeah. very nice opinion. No, I have. Um, there's no point me putting a bayonet into him again and twisting it. Well, I've already highlighted in the book what he got wrong. I could have gone in on him. I could have absolutely gone 
in on him, but it's not who I am. He's made a mistake. I've highlighted what the mistake was. I've highlighted how he affected me and my family, punished us, he punished me for years, and he ended my career. You know, whether he takes that on board or not, it's, it's irrelevant. He's got to live with his lies, his greed, and his values. I've got to live for my family and who I am and move on and grow. Because if I've got too much of an issue with him or a gripe and I don't want to forgive him or whatever, then it's, that's going to hold me back. 100%. It's done. You know, he's got to go to the pub, to the boozer. The British public are ruthless. Someone will see him and mention something to him and call him out. If not, he's got to live with his lies. He's been struck off from his profession that he loves so much. He's done. He can't practice again. So he's got to live with that. I've gone through some shit that he, what he's, his lies spun on us. I'm out of it now. I've highlighted what he'd done wrong and how he affected so many people. I've got to keep climbing. Mm. Now, Woody, massively thank you for coming on the podcast and sharing with that, uh, sharing with us. The book, Double Crossed, I cannot recommend it enough. Guys, if you're listening, go and get yourself a copy or get yourself the audio book. But I've just got one final question for yourself, mate. Yeah. If you could give yourself one bit of advice as a young Brian Wood, what would it be? As a young Brian Wood, it will be be kind, get after life, take nothing for granted and understand that you're not entitled to anything. You've got to grind it out and give back. That's some awesome advice. Right, guys, that is the end of today's podcast. If you enjoyed it, please could you follow, like and subscribe as it really helps grow the pod. Thank you for listening. Mate, cheers, buddy. No worries, man. Awesome. Pleasure. I could have spoke to you for hours.